0: to No Sleep on the CWR Talk Network. How is everyone doing tonight? Good.
1: Have a great week.
0: Good. I love to hear I had a great week. (laughs)
1: Definitely.
0: Okay, so tonight we're going to talk a little bit about millennials' uh, mental health and stress. And then a little later on in the show, we're really excited for our first guest in the Millennials Changing the World segment. We will be joined by Zoe LePage, uh, the founder and executive director of Exhale to Inhale. It's a nonprofit organization that provides weekly trauma-informed yoga classes in domestic violence shelters and rape crisis centers. So we're really excited uh, to start this segment tonight, and we're really, really thankful that we have Zoe joining us later on. So So starting out, uh I want to... I wanted to talk about an article that I read in the New York Post, and it said that millennials spend nearly 20% of their year stressed out. It ends up being a total of around, like, 63 days a year or four hours a day that they spend worried. And it also mentions that 71% wake up in the middle of the night thinking about current stressors up to three times a week. Wow. So when I was reading
1: it, Yeah. When I was reading, it, I was reading it, Man, we waste
0: a lot of time. Especially over things that we necessarily, you know, can't control. But mm-hmm. that being said, I could relate to it in a lot of ways. Was this something that you guys could kinda of relate to too?
2: Oh definitely. I actually laughed when I saw twenty percent of the year. I was like, that's all Save year, I, I, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I wish I only spent 20% of my year stressed out. I feel like I could get so much more accomplished. Maybe I'm not a real millennial, and maybe all of this wasn't the same. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, I totally, I totally What, I totally
3: relate. what do y'all think these stresses come from? I mean, what are some of these stressful factors
2: oh money for sure definitely mm, yeah <laughs> always money <Cool. laughs> because why they don't want to pay millennials enough <laughs> 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 and then especially I know well all of us really are grad students and
1: right. school
2: is definitely a major stressor for me, but mostly, mostly on, on my end, I know it's due to just getting back into school after some time and having high expectations for myself. I'm, I feel like I'm in a later part of my life or moving into my thirties now. I need to, you know, you start to set a different path for yourself and the anxiety that comes with trying to, become who I believe I am is i think more stressful than money sometimes because if I could I believe if I could step into that then I could make the money because a part of that being able to be that person is being financially stable. And so I feel like in in your later 20s going into your 30s you hit like this transitional period of like finding yourself again and trying to define your path, and that's stressful.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I know me, when I hit 30, my outlook on a lot of things changed, and I really started to evolve into I guess who I'm supposed to be or into a Mm -hmm. different level of who I am, and so things really changed. I know I spend, like you, I spend a lot of my time stressed out about debt and... (laughs) money and how to do better and I compare myself you know to other people and I know that you're not supposed to do that but I find myself uh doing that a lot I'll be like oh well so-and-so is doing this and so-and-so does this well why don't I do this right.
2: but then I also because... realize no go ahead oh I was just gonna say because no one posts their failures
0: <laughs> no <laughs> That's a, that doesn't get liked <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> but I'm now starting to understand I know when I was younger I would always Notice that the people that had like Convertibles and Corvettes And stuff they were always like middle Aged men and mm-hmm. now I Understand because you can't afford That when you're young
1: <laughs> Right
0: <laughs> oh. Like I'm happy just to have my Mazda So
2: mm-hmm. Right
3: mm-hmm. What about So
4: what's
3: that Uh stressful factors for me um, yeah yeah that's definitely money I would say and I don't I guess I guess making sure that uh, I achieve my idea of success you know under with understanding all of the forces that are against me you know and and trying to uh, accomplish different goals and everything, you know. So that can be at times a bit stressful. But I was going to ask, so what, do think, um, be, uh, uh, what do you all think would be? What do you think would happen if these stress stresses stresses aren't uh, dealt with, you know, or aren't um, aren't worked out, and we just continue to build up stresses after stress after stress each year? you know, what, what What do you all think of in turn will happen to an individual that does not know how to release this stress?
5: I mean, it's probably going to eventually take a toll on your health. And I'm, it, I mean, it, I'm sure it's probably toll, it's probably taking a toll on my health more so than what I realize at this point, but I think it'll probably be more um, more apparent like later in my life mm-hmm.
3: um,
5: just with just with my body
3: and my mind, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Does 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 uh, accumulation of stress is, is that what causes mental illness? Like, how how does mental illness happen? We mm-hmm. do anybody.
2: I feel like mental yeah. illness is Different. like a big umbrella term. You know, uh-huh. like you like when when anything is wrong with like say if you have a cold, you know you're ill. If you you know, having trouble breathing, if you feel faint, like you're ill. So with mental health, it's like you're in a, you're in a state where, and I'm not a mental health professional, so do not take my verbatim response for this. i am just uh, coming from a perspective of a person who's dealt with mental health issues, Hi. you experience imbalances where, you know, you are not yourself. And, It could come from external factors like a trauma or something that you've been through or like external influences in society, within the community, within your family. There are so many things based because of how we perceive who we are and all of the elements that go into who we believe we are. There are so many things that kind of attack that ego part of us that subconsciously arouses our fight, flight or freeze. And it it has it has unhealthy consequences in life. I mean, I've dealt with mental health issues since I was a child and now I have joint issues as an adult. So stress it will store in your body and it can create all different types of things just because we don't have these different outlets. So it's very important that we become conscious of when we do feel imbalanced, when we don't feel like we're ourselves, and if people around us could notice that as well, that would also be helpful, because sometimes we don't want to admit that. Strong people want to feel strong. And me- whether or not we want to believe it, mental health is still stigmatized. So not everybody is just going to jump to say, yeah, I'm not feeling so great, and I need help.
1: Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I like, think takes a lot of to acknowledge that too. Mhm. What were you
5: scary. I said I feel like I feel like it's like a bad thing or the society perceives it as a bad thing when people like go out and actually get help. You know, like mm-hmm. they seek out a therapist and like there are negative connotations attached yeah. to that and that's one of the reasons that I didn't initially seek out a therapist or a counselor when I was experiencing like, um, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, a couple of years ago. Um, and you know, and it was also, it also had to do with the fact that I was a man and, um, mm. men are expected to be really strong people. Um, and so I felt like I was expected to just, you know, kind of overlook something that was, you know, keeping me from being able to be myself. Um, but when I finally, you know, took a friend and went to see a um, a counselor on campus, it, you know, it changed everything for me, and it took off so much weight from my mind and my body in general. So, I think what really needs to change is the culture around seeking out help for
3: mental health. Hmm. So, to follow up well, off of what you just said, how would, how is once To know that, all right, now is the time that I need to go seek help. Like, what's that indicating factor that a person would have to uh, be able to acknowledge? You know, to say, all right, uh, let me go ahead and uh, go see somebody or go talk with somebody, a professional, you know, because I think it's something going on. Like, what happens for what? what, I don't know. I think it's different
6: for everybody. I mean, because someone's small, like someone might view someone else's problem as small and vice versa, someone else's problem is bigger than their own. So I don't think there's, I mean, I guess if you Mm -hmm. want to put a line on it is maybe when you're having suicidal thoughts or harming yourself, but I think it's different for everyone when they should seek... Help from others because of the tolerance level that they might have, or the remedies that they use to work through that on their own.
3: So, so should everybody? So should everybody be uh, should be seeking mental uh, assistance? Or because they are, all, we are all experiencing some type of mental health issue.
2: Yeah, I feel like you, there are different ways that we can take wellness well, apply wellness to, like, my, and mindfulness. And mm-hmm. mindfulness is a process of helping you think through, like, okay, here's a situation, it's arousing some feeling in me. Why am I feeling that? And it helps you to walk through those feelings. <laughs> and therapy isn't necessarily going to be for everybody. Some people it's going to be taking a walk in the park. Some people it's going to be boxing or playing a video game. Like, everybody's going to have their own coping mechanism or their own thing that they'll do to practice wellness because it's important that it's proactive and not reactive. We should always be thinking about yes. our mental health and where we are. And I can always be in deep reflection. Yeah,
5: so. yeah. I'd love to just go to a counselor every week if I had the time, right? you know, <laughs> talk through things, you know, not that I'm necessarily, you know, like uh, – feel like I'm in a bad place or anything it it would just be nice to talk through some stuff Mm
7: -hmm.
5: right
2: that's how I feel I feel like I would want somebody to help me think through my goals and like more somebody that a professional that can help me understand that my ideas don't just belong in my head sometimes that's all I want to know and that's not necessarily going to take years of therapy. I feel like I could do that in a couple of sessions, you know, but everybody isn't there. Yeah, Yeah. I know for
0: me, I don't go to a counselor or anything like that, but I do care about my mental health and I do worry about it and a lot with stress and stuff. And you have to have a way to deal with stress. And I think that everyone deals with stress differently, but you have to try to find a way to acknowledge it and move forward Like, me, Mm -hmm. it depends on what I'm going through. Sometimes it's as simple as me getting in my car at night and going for a drive and smoking, Mm -hmm. like, a black mild or whatever. Like, that's a guilty (laughs) pleasure of mine. But I also, if I'm in, like, an angry mood or, you know, I go multiple times a week anyway, but there's sometimes I, like, I kickbox. And so that, Mm -hmm. to me, is a stress relief or you know, yoga. If I'm really feeling off base and I really need to feel centered, then you know I'll do yoga or I'll meditate or you know certain types of music. And that's kind of how I deal with it. And I think that you know everybody has to have a way to deal with their own stressors.
1: hmm
2: Is
0: there and when doing all do? those
2: things don't work? Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. <laughs>
0: No, you're right. You're right. I know where you're going with (laughs) that.
2: Right. When all those things fail, then like go seek professional help because I know for a fact, like when I didn't want to go to the gym anymore, when I wasn't excited about getting up, going to class anymore, I knew something was wrong because everything that was fun to me, I hated it. I hated the idea of doing it. It was intolerable to me when it was what I used to be so passionate about and what drives me in life. And that's going to be different for everybody coming into that experience and figuring out, oh, wait, I've been putting this thing off. Why have I been doing that? Is this a stress on me? That's going to look like, that's going to look different for everybody.
6: I think it's hard to, to kind of define a line of, or being mindful that a pill also doesn't fix everything.
7: Right.
6: Um, I mean, like, there are people out there that do need and need medication to control their stress and things like that. But I, I remember in undergrad I went to the doctor for a checkup and she had asked me how I was feeling and I was stressed because it was finals and she automatically just prescribed me an antidepressant and I was so mm-hmm. honestly offended because I – spent 20 minutes with her and she just wrote me a prescription for pills. And I'm like, you don't think you could suggest like working out? Am I eating healthier? Am I, you know, you're trying meditation? Like, so I think it's mindful to think of that too. Like a pill is might not always be the answer. Like you have to find other remedies that can help you.
3: Hmm. Yeah. And seem. think it seems to me that uh, it's a lot of the times that when it comes to medicating people for uh, these uh, issues, uh, I'm noticing it a lot in the schools. You know, it's starting when, with children, you know, giving them yeah. different uh, 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 doses, uh, what I want to say, uh, pills and medicine, medications that they would need to take throughout the day you know, all the way up until shoot, in their teenage years or their adulthood. Who knows how uh, these drugs are affecting them in the long run, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's interesting to see that uh, some physicians, you know, they are in favor of uh, using this medication rather than other means to help assist mm-hmm. individuals in their stress. Uh, situations or their traumatic experiences because uh, a lot of these mental illnesses uh derive from um trauma that is uh happened in the individual lives, whether it's uh past or whether it's something that um is presently going on.
2: Yeah, I agree and it's important that you research your physicians. and I know that's like an elitist thing to say that somebody has time to research who they're going to. But if <laughs> your doctor is going to the first thing after spending 20 minutes with them, prescribe mm-hmm. you medicine and they haven't even taken the time to do like a personal history of you to walk through your habits and things like that, you need to know like the signs to look for that so that you can't, so that you don't get yourself into these situations. Cause these, they're not looking out for us. They're looking out for whatever deals they sign with pharmaceutical companies. So we have to be mindful of the other avenues and paths that we could take and have maybe suggestions for them when we go in there, like, should I try this? Does this look like something that I should do? Or, you know, know the type of doctor that's prescribing you medication and why they feel like they're, that should be suitable for you. And mm-hmm. there are definitely Agreed. other other ways than you know, those medications. Yeah. What do
6: you guys do for relieving stress? Kylie, I know you said um, you work out. Does anyone else do
2: anything? (laughs) Not lately. I've just been bottling it up and then having, (laughs) like, mental breakdowns (laughs) mid-semester. But one thing that I I love to do is – oh, go ahead (laughs) –
5: I said, I really like to go watch movies. It's a way mm, to get rid of, yeah. you know, kind of get away from reality. I've been doing that quite a bit more lately. Um, it's kind of, and I, I also turn my phone off, and I unplug for, you know, three or four hours, and it does a lot of
1: good mm-hmm. for my
2: mental health. Oh, man, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> I listen yeah, to audiobooks, too. <laughs> Uh, audio Especially audio books, audio books on mental health and stuff. I just recently, I finished one yesterday on mental health. It was called "It's Not Always Depression," and it like uses this um a change triangle to help you address what your core emotions are, your inhibiting emotions are, and then the feeling that's being expressed at the moment. And it just helps you like work through okay here's what you're feeling why are you feeling that is this a fear or is this anxiety you know like I like listening to things that help me work through my feelings so that I can understand because I understand I'm I'm the type of person that I know this my anxiety is never going to go away my feelings of depression might not ever go away but I have to learn how to notice like oh I'm just feeling this way because I have anxiety or I'm feeling this way because I have depression and then be like, but I don't want to deal with that today. I'm not going to be depressed today. I have this issue. Mm-hmm. So being able to acknowledge when something is trying to creep into my life and take over is what right. I so found most that. helpful.
5: Is this a podcast? Huh? Is that what you said? Is this a podcast?
2: Oh, it's an it's a audio book.
5: Oh, it's an audio book. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And it shows, like, your indicators, basically?
2: Yeah, it has, like, a PDF that goes with it and everything that you can print out, and it has a, a change map. It uses AEDP therapy, which is, like, the one that, like, help. it helps you address your emotions and your feelings instead of, prescri- like, diagnosing you with an illness. Yeah. It helps you work through why you feel, how you feel.
5: Okay, well, what so
2: it kind of time helps time you time learn time. yourself. That's cool. It's called it's, um, it's not always depression. And what is the rest of it? It's not always depression. Working the King's triangle to listen to the body, discover core emotions, and connect to be your and connect to your authentic self. That's what it is. It's a long title. Awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, guys, we got to go ahead and take a quick break, but when we come back, uh, we should have our guests on the line so we can uh, dig further into our topic. All right.
1: Great.
4: You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag One Million Strong. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong.
1: Hi, Mom. Is Claire's birthday party today? Me again, Mom. Where did I put my history book? Hi. Sorry. Forgot one last thing.
8: It takes five seconds to send a text, and for those five seconds, you're driving blind. Life is worth more than a text. Stay alive. Don't text and drive.
4: Visit stoptextstoprex.org, a message brought to you by the
2: National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council.
8: It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two.
4: The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are a strong advocate for life empowerment like empowering a generation that has been grossly misunderstood and disparaged to shatter the misconceptions about them. No Sleep was created to give millennials a platform to express themselves and let the world know who they really are and what they believe, their values, interests, fears, and more. This is a diverse group, gender-wise and racially, that we are very, very proud of. We invite you to tune in, whether you are a millennial or not, and learn from these outstanding young people. Listen every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 7 o'clock p.m. Central for no sleep, shattering millennial misconceptions.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back. I wanna let everyone know that our lines are open if you have any questions or comments regarding uh, our topic on mental health or for our uh, guest, 917-889-8078. And we have Zoe LaTage with us tonight. She is a yoga teacher, a fitness instructor, and founder and executive director of Exhale to Inhale. It's a nonprofit organization that provides weekly trauma informed yoga classes in genetic violence shelters and rape crisis centers. Uh, when she was a college senior in 2013, Zoe founded Exhale to Inhale. She created the vision for the organization and ensured the correct individuals and systems were in place to make her vision become a reality. Exhale to Inhale has hosted over 1,700 classes, helped over 2,200 providers and completed over 5,200 visits with a mission to empower women to reclaim their life. So welcome, Zoe. Zoe. Thank you you so
3: much for having me, Zoe.
0: (laughs) How are you doing tonight? Good, good. Really excited to be on with you all. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. Uh, When we saw what you were doing, we were all really impressed and really inspired. Uh, What you're doing is really amazing.
7: So to start
0: out, I wanted to kind of ask you, because I was curious, what inspired you to start uh, Exhale to Inhale?
7: Yeah, so I had started practicing yoga when I was about 17 years old. I was going through a tough time in my own life and just really found a lot of comfort and strength in my yoga practice. Um, And then my senior year of college, I was part of a women's leadership program that you know, taught us the history of women's leadership, some leadership skills, and then invited us to go change the world. And I really took that seriously. So um, I knew I wanted to do something with yoga just given my own experience of the practice. And then I have a a family member who's a survivor and and several friends who are survivors. So really created the organization because I wish they had had it when they were going through their experience.
0: Often.
7: So, would,
0: would you say what you like the people that you work with do they tend to be people of all
7: ages or do they tend to be younger people? Really, people of all ages, all races. It's, it's really our, our student group is a very diverse group. Um, you know, when we're talking about domestic violence and sexual assault, that doesn't discriminate, it's kind of across the spectrum. Um, so all ages for sure, and largely individuals who have never practiced yoga before and think that yoga is specifically not for them. So it's really cool to get to introduce this healing practice um, to individuals for the first time. Awesome.
3: That's super. What um is it? What type of uh, traumatic experiences? Um, are some of these people facing uh, that you have the opportunity to work with and possibly um, assist them in uh, whatever they're going through?
7: Yeah. So um, it, it's mostly individuals who have experienced domestic or sexual violence, and okay. that you know that really is across the spectrum, though, right? We're talking physical abuse, emotional mm-hmm. abuse, financial abuse, um, and what we're specifically trying to do. It's help individuals reconnect to their inherent strength so that they're able to really show up and kind of get themselves out of the situations that they've been in or are currently in. so we're really in the business of empowerment
2: mm. Have you, had any, cool. oh, <laughs> uh, have you oh, had any resistance? sorry or have you had any resistance trying to establish relationships with partners like I know you work with a lot of domestic violence and sexual violence victims. So have you? I know those organizations are kind of hard to get in sometimes because of the confidentiality of the clients and things like that. What have you faced any kind of pushback at all when you try when going into these places?
7: You're right. I mean, they oftentimes they're in confidential locations, so it can be kind of hard to get get in the door. Um, really, all of the partner facilities are interested in yoga, I think the biggest struggle that we face in terms of that is they've just got so much going on, right? There, These shelters are helping individuals who are acutely in crisis. So I think mm-hmm. helping them see that yoga is not just a fluffy addition, that yoga really um, can be a crucial part of healing. I think that's kind of – I have to help build the case around that. And then – more on the individual level As I said, you know We're often bringing yoga to individuals Who think, I'm not skinny enough I can't touch my toes I don't own yoga pants Like, yoga's not for me So there's, on the individual level It definitely takes um, Some kind of perseverance In helping individuals see Like, if you can breathe You you can do yoga Like, you can do yoga from your chair um, But it's, it's always my favorite part is seeing that light bulb moment when someone shifts from like "Mm -mm, not going to do it to like
2: okay (laughs) let me give it a try right I know that's one of my biggest struggles or one of go ahead Clay (laughs) oh
5: yeah hey Zoe this is Clay um thanks again for being on our show I just I like um how you came up with your name like I'm on your website right now Mm -hmm. and I like that it says that you founded Exhale. To inhale, um, And the name is based on the idea that sometimes we have to let go of that which is no longer serving us in order to inhale new possibilities. And yeah. I feel like that transcends yoga into so many other areas of life as well.
7: Yeah. No, it's, it's funny. The name... Um, The name came right to me. Like, you know, I'm sure many people when they're starting a business or an organization, there's a long, you know, kind of ideation of what's it going to be. But the the name came to me quickly. um, And that, that quote, you know, sometimes you need to let go of that which is no longer serving us in order to inhale new possibilities was something that one of my yoga teachers had said to me. And I think, as you said, it really speaks to something greater that we can all really get stuck in. In the story, in our past, and you know, our past and what we've been through—it's always going to be part of us. It definitely shapes who we are. But there's more, right? And so that idea of, you know, healing so that we can fill up with more—is, I mean, that's beautiful. Right?
5: Yeah, I agree.
7: Chloe, this is—or
6: excuse me, Zoe. This is Megan. <laughs> <No>. oh. <laughs> sorry i love that you're incorporating meditation into it i mean i know that's part of practicing yoga but um i recently started i don't know if you guys have heard of the app called headspace but meditation app yeah and i love it my my boyfriend's been doing it for a couple years and he got me into it and it it's just amazing what taking, you know, five minutes of your time to just kind of let your mind wander and then teaching it to bring bring everything back in. Just, I don't know, it, like like you said, breathing, you can do, if you can breathe, you can do yoga and you can meditate yeah. anywhere too. I mean, you don't yeah. need anything. So I just think that's great because I don't think a lot of people understand the, the effects
7: meditation can have on
6: your mind and your
7: health. No, for sure. I mean, I'm so glad you're doing that. That's, that's incredible. And I think what, what we're trying to do and and similarly, I think what, you know, Headspace is doing is, is making these practices accessible, right? So I think people often have in mind that in order to practice yoga, right? You need to put your body in some fancy shape or in order to meditate, you need to sit still for like 45 minutes. And that's, no, it's not accessible for most of us, right? You can actually take mm-hmm. just 10 mm-hmm. breaths, you can take two minutes. Um, if anyone from Headspace is listening, I would love to partner with Headspace and, and bring them some <laughs> trauma informed. <laughs> so that's that's on my vision board. So that
1: will be great. Out there. Yeah,
7: <laughs> yeah.
2: So how do you get people well, I, to be consistent I, with their practices?
7: <laughs> yeah, it's um, I mean, it's hard. I think, particularly in the environments that we're that we're working in, right? We're specifically, I, I set up to swim an up upstream battle, right? Like we're specifically going into places and spaces where yoga doesn't exist and where,
1: mm-hmm. you know, individuals
7: are concerned of like, am I going to get custody of my, of my child? Where am I going to live next month? So, um, you know, building consistency in those settings is, mm-hmm. is difficult. Um, I think really the best way to build consistency and this, this is across the board, um, whether we're talking about art program or otherwise, is just helping individuals see the benefits, right? Like, you know, if, if you see that you feel better, after you take five minutes to move your body or to breathe, um, then you're more likely to to do it, right? It's not like, oh, I should do this. It's like, oh, I, I felt good when I did that last time. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of our program specifically, I mean, we we show up consistently, um, and I, I think that helps our students, you know, show up in turn, right? When you have... That's healing in and of itself, right? If you have a yoga teacher that without fail is showing up for you every week, Mm -hmm. it's actually like, oh, wow, how how powerful, you know, I'm going to show up too. Um, We often also gift our students yoga mats um, and help them understand things that they can do just even in their own bedroom so that they don't need, we don't want the yoga practice to be dependent on us. So helping them see that yoga is something you don't even need a mat practice, right? It's can you feel your feet on the floor? Okay, can you mm-hmm. find your breath? You know, that, that can be your yoga for the best.
3: Mm. Interesting.
1: Does can it get pretty emotional?
7: Really? <laughs> Sorry, two voices there. What was the question? <laughs> Wait,
1: you you can go ahead,
7: Flay. Like...
5: Um, I said, and you've served, like, nearly 2,000 survivors. Has that number gone up?
7: That's, um, that was, number was as of October, and we, we haven't pulled, pulled any numbers yet. But, um, I mean, when I look at those numbers, it just blows me away that, it's like, 2,000 individuals who wouldn't otherwise have practiced yoga because of our program yeah. are, are now practicing yoga. And, you know, the, the ripple effects with that um, mm-hmm. are tremendous. You know, I, I would say largely our clients are mothers, and we've heard. You know, there was one client I was talking to one day, and she was saying her six-year-old son now encourages her, like, you know, "Mommy, go do your yoga, go do your yoga." Because like, the kids see that their mom is better, you know, she's more balanced. She shows up differently as a mother when when she's practicing yoga. So it's just um, the ripple effects are profound.
1: Oh, that's yeah, amazing.
7: that's really cool. <laughs> this, I mean, this is just the, this is just the beginning for us, right? Like we're five five years in. I mean, give me another fifteen, let's see where
2: we're where we are. Right. Maybe with headspace by then.
7: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh no, that's gonna happen in the next five. We'll get that going. <laughs>
3: So earlier on the show we were talking about how some uh, uh, physicians like to medicate patients, you know, rather than uh, try to actually figure out uh, what's wrong with them. Uh, What's your thoughts on uh, medication uh, rather than uh, practicing yoga?
7: Yeah. I mean, I think um, I'm, I'm definitely a believer that it's not, it's not all or nothing. Right. I think that, Sometimes medication is definitely over, over prescribed right? Of just like oh, like let's not deal with this and just you know give you some pills. Um, but I do think there's obviously there's a time and a place for for med- medication, um, depending on what's going on. I also think um, that it's more about coming at things holistically, right? Like it's it's probably medication plus meditation plus yoga plus counseling plus financial literacy, like all of all of the things, right? Um I think mm-hmm. that, you know, when we're talking about yoga, mindfulness, um, yes, that's gonna impact, you know, an individual's sleep, their blood pressure. Um but it also and so like some of the some of the things that yoga and meditation can impact have a similar effect of what of what medication is going to impact. But there's also an added magic to yoga that Yoga helps you reestablish your sense of self, the, the connection of you with yourself, your sense of self-esteem. And so I think regardless if, if someone has a condition that they need medication for, regardless of that, I think this kind of self-practice, like yoga, is, is very important and, and beneficial.
0: Do you work with any children or do you mostly work with adults?
7: Oh, that's the one we get all the time. Everyone wants us to do kids yoga. Um, and unfortunately, that is, that is not something we do. Um, we really just try to stay in our wheelhouse of trauma-informed yoga for, for adults, largely individuals over the age of 18. Um, there are other organizations that work with kids, so we, we always refer out to those organizations. So,
6: gotcha. the, um, I actually just did a yoga class tonight, and I was thinking about just the flow of how typical yoga classes are. It, are your classes different because you're dealing with survivors? Um, is it bringing mindfulness to focusing on certain things? Like how how does your class flow throughout the duration that you have the time duration?
7: Yeah, Well, I'm glad you went to yoga tonight. Good. Good move. Um, but our but classes look – I classes look quite different from your typical yoga class that, you know, you'd encounter if you just walked into a studio because they are trauma-informed. Um, there are many ways to be trauma-informed, and we've developed our own methodology. Some, you know, specific changes that we've made, we're not making any physical adjustments. Touch can be healing, but when we're dealing with our population – it's, it's not worth it, right, to go there. Um, mm-hmm. We also don't play any music because music can um, it can be triggering. It can cause an individual to um, dis- disassociate. Um, and then our yoga teachers always practice from from their own mat so that students aren't having to track them throughout the yoga room because that can activate hy- their hypervigilance, and, and many survivors are already hypervigilant. Mm-hmm. And we also orient our classes to face the door so that our students know who's coming into the space, who's leaving the space, so they have a sense of, of agency and just and feel safer in the space. And, and then the final thing I'd say, I mean, obviously, we have a 17-hour teacher training, so it's much more in-depth than this. But um, the final thing I would say about our methodology is it's invitational. Um, so in terms of languaging, I invite you to, if you're curious to try, this is option A, this is option B, and you can do none of the above. Like, you can just sit there and stare at me. Um, I, I often jokingly say, and I mean no offense, I, I'm a yoga teacher myself, but your average yoga teacher can be quite bossy, right? Telling you where to put your arm, where to put your leg, breathe in mm-hmm. now, breathe out now. Um, and we're really trying to help our students come back into their physical body and make choices for themselves. So there's a lot of choice making that we're practicing on the map that then we hope translates out into the into the rest of their lives. That's awesome.
1: All
2: right. Cool. I'm glad. What kind of background do your instructors mainly come from? Because that sounds like a lot of intense training and, like, a really concrete skill set that comes along with being able to navigate those types of environments and even point out, like, what would be the most comfortable settings for that type of client, how did you go about finding the right type of people for that? Are they from – are you all from, like, a particular background or anything or –
7: Um, We definitely, you know, we we take a lot of pride in our teachers, and so it's definitely there's a process to become an exhale-to-inhale teacher. All of our teachers have their baseline 200-hour training at least. Many of them have additional training. Um, And then they have to apply. They go through an interview process. And and then in order to teach for us, they attend our 17-hour teacher training. And then after that, we take our teachers through a mentorship <clears throat> process so we have them teach for us we give them feedback on their teaching before they even step foot in an exhale to inhale classroom and then once they've done that on an ongoing basis about once a month we meet up as a group either in person or online to offer our teachers continuing education to ensure that you know they're constantly refining their skill set that they have the the latest knowledge that we're developing um, so, I mean, our, our teachers are incredible and highly highly trained individuals, and we really would not be able to do this work if it weren't for them. Awesome. Well, this time has really
0: gone by fast. <laughs> um,
1: so Seriously. So you do
0: want to go ahead and give our listeners um, your website and information so they can look it up? Yes,
7: of course. So it is exhale to inhale and Q is spelled out T-O. so it's exhale to inhale org and you can find all the information there you know some more of the backstory of exhale to inhale um, upcoming events teacher trainings places to donate so check that out and they can also follow us on social media and it is exhale to inhale this time it's the number two um, and There you can keep posted on events and just inspiration and what's going on with us. Awesome. Thank you so much
0: for joining us tonight. This is great. Appreciate it. Yeah,
1: this program is amazing. So thanks for
0: hosting. Thanks. Uh, We're going to go ahead and cut to a quick commercial break. If we have any callers that want to call in with questions or comments, 917-889-8078.
4: The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are the champion for life empowerment programs like Career Reels with Carolyn. We understand that many of our listeners need career advice to advance their careers to the next level, and others need advice on finding a job. We have been blessed with the addition of Ms. Carolyn Owens to our network. Carolyn is the chairwoman and CEO of Infinity Coaching Incorporated, which provides career leadership and life coaching that moves individuals forward, allowing them to take command of their lives. With over 25 years of proven experience, she is a leading authority on leadership and professional development and has worked with and trained top leaders across the globe. Her show, Career Reels with Carolyn, may be heard the second Monday of every month at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 6 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Career Reels is a show that discusses how you can become the star of your life. Carolyn and her guests will share with you tips and strategies on how you can reach and stay at the top of your game. You'll also hear about hot topics and trends that can make a difference in your career or business. So tune in the second Monday of each month to hear Career Reels live and get hired or take your career to the next level. For more information, visit Carolyn's page on our website at cwrtalknetwork.com.
8: Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to dave twenty thirty seven. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman, something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well all right, but don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You
2: wanna have money in your future? You gotta start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org.
8: Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine, because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council
4: the cwr talk network is not just another talk radio network we are a strong advocate for life empowerment like empowering a generation that has been grossly misunderstood and disparaged to shatter the misconceptions about them No Sleep was created to give millennials a platform to express themselves and let the world know who they really are and what they believe, their values, interests, fears, and more. This is a diverse group gender-wise and racially that we are very, very proud of. We invite you to tune in, whether you are a millennial or not, and learn from these outstanding young people. Listen every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, and 7 o'clock p.m. Central for No Sleep, Shattering Millennial Misconceptions.
1: Hey
0: everyone, welcome back. Uh, We do have our lines open if anyone wants to call in, 917-889-8078. I don't know about y'all, but after talking to Zoe, it makes me want to go do some yoga. I,
2: know. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. at least puts me in the mindset, but, like, I know physically I'm one of those people that she was talking about that's like, I can't do this. I'm not skinny enough. My knees don't bend like that. But I want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel empowered. <laughs>
0: I know for me, I was like, I don't want to go. I'm too fat. Like, you know, cause you think of yoga people and you think of like the skinniest people ever and you're just like, oh, what? yeah, I'm not built for that. Like, I'm not a ballerina. <laughs> but I remember. The and then first I'm time clumsy.
1: It's <laughs> not good for anybody. I remember anybody the first there. time I did it,
0: I was like, why did I not do this sooner? You know, you sometimes you just <laughs> feel like a new person when you're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, go ahead.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say after listening to her, I thought I oh, kind of oh. thought of yeah, it's all good. It made me think of just uh, different ways that people, you know, deal with their traumatic experiences. You know, how they, what do they do to seek healing? You know, and it made me think of a world where people are. People have been healed, you know, through all of their different experiences, you know, and even uh I know we speak on it often about just uh living in a racist a racist system, you know, even uh those experiences just healed, you know, what type of world then, you know, will we be seeing, will we be living in if it, if those problems were, you know, fixed through these uh different um processes or uh, uh, healing tools.
0: And you know, I was reading, I read a book, Um, oh, it was actually a couple of years ago. I don't know if any of you have heard of it, but it was called You Are the Placebo. Have you guys heard of it? No. No,
3: never heard of that one.
0: <laughs> um, It's actually, it's a, It was really interesting to me, but the book basically talks about how your mind is so powerful that, um, you know, it doesn't work in every instance, but some people that were experiencing, like, a lot of stress or some people that had certain illnesses or couldn't control certain movements that they were doing or whatever, there was a whole slew of issues that people had, but basically... This man, Dr. – I can't think of his name. I'd have to look it up. But the doctor that wrote the book, anyway, he focuses on um, meditation and, you know, easing your mind by meditation. And a lot of the illnesses and stuff that people had, they were able to actually subside some of the effects that they were having or to actually cure themselves because wow. so much was pinned up in your mind and people don't realize how powerful your mind is and how it can really take control and maybe in some instances make you sick. I um, mm-hmm. awesome. thought was really
2: interesting. I, I to would totally
6: attest to that. Um, for those of you that are students, you can get the Headspace app subscription for a year for 9.99. Um, so even if, I mean, even usually it's like a hundred dollars, you know. I know that's why I got rid of it. So, yeah, no doubt. What, have what a
1: exactly deal. is
3: Headspace, Megan? What exactly um, is Headspace? Yeah, hey, I don't know what it is, but I know it's been getting a lot of free advertisement tonight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding.
3: <laughs> um,
6: it's it. He was created by Andy Puddicombe. And it's literally just breathing exercises um, that you can either do with him or um, he starts you out and then you meditate on your own. But he has, I mean, he's done packs, packages related to mindful eating, mind you know, sleeping. They have exercise. I know he partners with Nike on how to incorporate meditation into fitness. Um, I mean, everything you can think of, he has a package that helps you kind of focus on being mindful while you're doing something. And it just trains the mind to be able to control itself and then, you know, like release itself too at the same time. So when you are stressed, you can just let it think of all the million things. And then he talks you through like bringing those thoughts back into focusing on your breathing. And it's mm-hmm. really calming.
2: It's awesome. It really we should all try it. <laughs> yeah, That's great. <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. Does
0: anyone have anything exciting going on this week or anything that you're doing for Thanksgiving or are we all staying home?
2: I mean, my I'm all back to so, Iowa. <laughs>
1: You say
6: no, you're going to been... Yeah, I'm driving or flying back um, Sunday, so I'm excited for that.
0: What were you doing, Sandrea?
2: Oh, I'll I'll be here waiting to see who all cooks, and I will do my rounds and just show up at everybody's house and eat and take a good nap when I get home. <laughs> that's that's what I do every year. <laughs>
5: I'll be going home
3: mm-hmm. to northeast Arkansas to see
0: family. Awesome. Northeast what about
3: Arkansas? you, Malcolm? Uh, yeah, I'll be hanging out with family, but I'm not. Uh, I don't uh, celebrate the holiday, you know. Uh, so, it's just another day off, I guess. Mhm. Free off. always celebrate
1: seven
2: food. I say that for most
1: holidays. <laughs>
0: Right, I'm actually gonna go see my mom in Michigan. I'm gonna drive up there, and I actually was going to surprise her and just show up on Thanksgiving. But then I thought about it, and I realized that she probably wouldn't cook so right.
1: I told her. <laughs> Aww. <just> <laughs>
0: All right, guys, um, we're actually nearing the end of the show with the Thanksgiving talk since Thanksgiving is next week. Uh, on the 21st, we will not have a show for the holiday, but we will be back on the 28th, and we're going to be talking about millennials and relationships. Um, as always, you can catch up on our past shows at blogtalkradio.com slash Radio. We're also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Um, does anyone else have anything that they want to say before we sign out? Uh, no. No.
3: Happy
1: Thanksgiving.
0: No. Enjoy the time off. Peace. Yeah, everyone have a safe <laughs> holiday.